0: Carrie's here, everybody. Carrie Murray from the Bra Network. You guys know I'm crazy for the Bra Network. I can't stop talking about it because guess what? It's the best. Carrie, I want to know, I get asked to join a lot of networking groups, to be honest, Carrie, and you're one of the few that I have joined and keep renewing every damn year. What do you think it is about the Bra Network that's so special?
1: Well, first, I think what really sets us apart is we believe in community first. Then the networking's next. So the the whole heart and soul of Bra comes from its members, knowing that they're not going to get oversold to. It's not super salesy. Here's my business card. Community first.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I can totally attest to that because I feel like it's not just about like, here's me selling, selling, selling. People are like, how are you, Liz? How are you doing? I'm like, thank you for asking. So (laughs) nice of you. Um, (laughs) Well, Let's talk about the membership perks because this is obviously one of the best reasons to join. Give me the three top perks that you get as a Bra member.
1: Absolutely. You know, and it's really what sets us apart from other networking groups. The first one is we hire the women within our network first. We want to keep the money flowing between us. So whether you need an accountant and a photographer for your daughter's wedding or a nice handbag for your mother-in-law, we look within the broad directory and say, who can I elevate? Who can I hire? Who can I spend my money with? That's the first. The next is every member gets a dedicated landing page in the directory that's accessible to anybody. It features you, your business, testimonies, and how we can work with you. And then member events, virtual and in-person. They're very engaging, they're very elevated. Um, It's for new entrepreneurs, as well as experienced entrepreneurs coming together for collaboration.
0: Yeah and these events are epic. I, everyone that I bring to one of your like events that has never been to one before are like that was the best and I'm like <laughs> I know. Like you just always have a great mix of speakers learning laughing and then you spoil us it's always like the most beautiful place and you i mean even after the pandemic we were like please someone spoil us you just do the best job at that carrie bravo to you all right what do you say to someone though carrie who has just joined the net, done the networking and they're like no it's i just can't do it it's just i don't like it what do you say to them what yeah, are, I, 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 actually, bra?
1: I get that a lot so what what's the difference between bra and other networking group is the you know the r in bra is relationship business relationship alliance so the relationship is the heart and soul behind networking so we seek to to look at each other's as collaborators and not competitors so even if you go to a, an event and you're like oh it's filled with photographers that doesn't matter we want to know you we want to know who you are the person behind the brand not just the brand so that's us heart and
0: soul ah. It's so true. And you guys are very, you you very collaborative. People are always having each other on their podcasts or doing a collaboration at an event. And it, it's amazing that way. And then, you know, the hiring within, which you can't, you can't beat that either. All right, Carrie, do we get a coupon for joining? Because you know, I need a coupon.
1: Absolutely. And I love the podcast. So anybody that listens to your podcast, if they use the code WARRIOR and head to the website, broad-network.com, They get 15% off uh, membership, just because I love and adore you, and I love this podcast.
0: (laughs) I mean, you heard it here first. You get 10% off with code WARRIOR, and you go to, what's the website one more time, Carrie? bra-network.com bra-network.com, head over. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. Thank you for listening this week, and thank you for listening week after week. Welcome back. You guys know one of my mantras or sayings is, women aren't born warriors, but we become them. Well, today's guest is living proof. She is a person who started out as a ordinary housewife and is now a symbol of hope for the future and an example of the power of the grassroots movement. What makes you a warrior woman? We can all be activists. It doesn't matter how much time you have, but I believe it's the price of the ticket you bought when you agreed to come here to this planet. You can jump in, raise awareness, make a difference, and that looks different for all of us. For me, I raise awareness by featuring people on my podcast, donating ads, volunteering in person, being a monthly donor, and voting. If there is something that you feel called to do, don't ignore the calling, live into it. Today, we are gonna talk about gun laws, the NRA, and why you need to make a difference with gun control in your area. It's working, guys. Time to get off the sidelines. We need you. Text the word READY to 64433 to join Moms Demand Action. Thank you for listening today. Let's get started. It's not easy for mothers of young children to get in that political door Here are the depressing facts to prove it. At the start of 2020, only 26 Congress seats are held by moms with children under 18. That's 5% of our legislators. In total, there are 131 women sitting in the Senate and House seats, comprising of less than 24% of Congress. About 88% of women become mothers by the age of 44 in the US, yet despite making up such a large segment of the population, they make up the smallest number in our federal government. Imagine the political landscape if elected seats were filled by qualified, hardworking moms who know what firsthand the majority of Americans endure day to day, raising the children of our future. Moms in Office endorsed and supported over 20 women during the 2020 election cycle. You can support Moms in Office by going to momsinoffice.org. Let's get those moms running for office. Okay, everybody, today on the podcast, it is my honor to have visionary leader, activist, and world changer, Shannon Watts. Shannon had a 15-year career as a communications executive for public relations agencies and Fortune 100 companies. Before becoming a stay-at-home mom, Shannon was not an activist or involved in gun safety prior to the 2012 shootings at Sandy Hook School in Newtown, Connecticut. But the day after the tragedy, she started a Facebook page that became Moms Demand Action, a grassroots movement that now has hundreds and thousands of volunteers, chapters in all 50 states, over 6 million supporters, and is part of Every Town for Gun Safety. And which at this point has more members than the NRA? Go moms. She is the author of the book Fight Like a Mother and does fight like a mother and is the mother of five. Shannon Watts, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Oh
0: my gosh, Shannon, I stalked you on Instagram, so I'm so (laughs) grateful. (laughs) Thank you for accepting my stalking and and coming on the show. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you today and I cannot believe what you've accomplished. So let's get into it. Shannon, you modeled Moms Demand Action After Mothers Against Drug Driving. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America was created to build support for common sense gun reforms. This is a nonpartisan grassroots movement of American mothers demanding new and stronger solutions to our lax gun laws and loopholes that jeopardize the safety of our children and families. Since its inception after Sandy Hook, Moms Demand Action has established a chapter in every state, as I said before, and is part of every town Gun Safety, along with Mayors Against Illegal Guns. You are, in some senses, kind of an accidental activist. Like, I, you just started a Facebook page, and here you go. What made you come off the sidelines and get into the spotlight?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, as you said, it was absolutely by accident. I had had a 15 year or so career as a communications executive working for corporations and agencies and learned a lot about how to tell a story and how to message. And I decided to take a break. My husband and I got married. We were blending our two families and I thought, okay, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to go back to work. And, and it was at the end of that five-year break that I was starting to, to look for a job again. And I was folding laundry in my house. I lived uh, in a suburb of Indianapolis at the time, a very cold December day. And I started to see the news breaking on the television that I had on in the background that there was an active shooter in Newtown, Connecticut, a place I had never heard of. And I'm sure like you and so many others that day, I sort of sat down and, and stopped what I was doing and watched this tragedy unfold. And honestly, you know, even now, nine years later, it's unfathomable to me that 20 children and six educators were murdered in the sanctity of an American elementary school. And to have it happen right before the holiday season, it was just so devastating. And I, I spent most of that day in tears just not even being able to imagine what these families were going through, this community. And then the next day I woke up and I was full of rage. I was so angry that this had happened. And, you know, I'd watched sort of mass shooting after mass shooting happen in this country with no action. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to get off the sidelines. I'm going to get involved in this issue. I'm going to join an organization that already exists. For me, Mothers Against Drunk Driving was incredibly influential in my life as a teen growing up in the 80s, and and just saw this group of angry moms completely change the culture within a decade. And I Googled something like that for gun safety, and and it didn't exist. There were one-off think tanks run by men, mostly in DC. There were some state and city organizations, again, mostly run by men. And I just knew I wanted to be part of a badass army of women and moms. Again, I didn't think I was creating that. I just thought I was starting a Facebook page to have that conversation. I had about 75 Facebook friends. (laughs) Yeah, like, Um, hey, someone should create this. This is a really good idea. Not me, but like someone should do this. (laughs) It's time for moms to organize. And that was what I set out. to to have a conversation about. And suddenly I had all of these women, and if you know anything about type A women, you know that they were finding my email and finding my phone number and my home address, and they were reaching out to me and saying, hey, I wanna do this where I live. And really none of us knew what this was. We just knew there had to be something that came out of that tragedy that affected change. And, you know, here we are nine years later We're the largest grassroots movement in the country. We're not just moms, we're mothers and others, we're students too. We're making real progress on an issue that was once considered hopeless. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what do you
0: think the reason is that it's become as big as it has? Is it truly showing us the power of warrior moms and warrior women and warrior kids
2: coming together? What do you attribute this to? I, look, I think women are the secret sauce to activism. If you go back to when women were allowed to become activists, it was really during prohibition. Temperance was considered um, a Christian value and men felt that women were the best exemplars of that. And really they could never put the genie back in the bottle. Once women got involved in activism, you know, they stayed involved. And I think there's something about the tenacity of women and moms, you know, they're saying, if you want something done well, you ask a busy woman. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's nothing women won't do to protect their kids. There's this fear of losing our children to gun violence, and I, I know that is more powerful than extremist fears about having their taken away, their guns taken away. It's more powerful than gun lobbyists desire to protect their profits from gun sales. And that's certainly the vibe that we had at Moms Demand Action in the very early days, right? It was, it really attracted Type A women who weren't going to wait to be told what to do. They took my Facebook page and ran with it. I, I brought to the table my skill set of storytelling and messaging, and and public relations and amplifying what we were able to create, but. I was missing a lot of skill sets we needed, you know, organizers, lawyers, website developers, just these amazingly talented and skilled, mostly women who, you know, are often written off as being shrill or bitchy. This righteous anger of a mom fighting to protect her kids is something I think everyone understands and accepts in our society. And we were able to seize on that and and look to other movements of mothers in the past and all over the world, right? I mean, there is a group of moms in Argentina who are challenging the the dictatorship to find out what happened to their children who were disappearing. Everywhere you look, all across the world, there are women who are willing to stand up to powerful, violent extremists uh, because they know they are more powerful when they stand together. Yes,
0: I couldn't agree more, and you have found a way to harness this mom rage, woman yep. rage, in the best possible way. I really reached out to you on LinkedIn because I was just—I think, like a lot of moms, I'm a Type A mom. I'm a member of Moms Demand. I go to the meetings. I like that they're action-based. They always have something to do. They always yep. have a speaker that tells a story that's compelling. They're so well-run. I really believe in this organization. So if you haven't joined Moms Demand, I'm telling you now to join. It is worth your time, um, and more importantly your money, which as everyone knows on this podcast, if you want to get something done, unfortunately, the way you have to do that is you have to put money with your mouth is. So let's just be clear on that. But really the reason I contacted you was because of, of the latest shooting. And there were 34 school shootings in America in 2021, a shooting on November 30th in which a student killed four people and injured seven in Oxford, Michigan, that high school was the deadliest school shooting since 2018. And at the end of 2021, there were 92 school shootings since 2018. You've said the majority of Americans support common sense, gun laws, background checks, red flag laws, or keeping guns out of the hands of kids, which is great news. But a lot of people, and and myself included, we feel so defeated by these numbers. First, I want to talk to you about what have we accomplished? Give me some good news, Shannon, before... (laughs) before we just freak out all together. I want to know the good news. And I also want to know what can we actively do to move this needle? Like I need to know actually what has to happen for this hat to
2: change. I think a lot of people think nothing has been done on this issue in part because the Senate hasn't acted. So everyone is waiting for this cathartic moment in Congress, which I promise is coming. And they say, well, that hasn't happened. So nothing ever will. And it's interesting because we don't say that about any other issue. We don't say that about climate change. We don't say it about immigration reform. We seem to only say it about guns. And and I just would caution everyone to not buy into the rhetoric uh, and the manipulation of the gun lobby in this country. The gun lobby is the largest, uh, most powerful, most wealthy special interest that's ever existed. Its power is certainly changed and waning. But you know, the idea that we can't change this is completely wrong. You know, if we look at when President Obama was elected in 2008, about a quarter of all Democrats in Congress had an A rating from the NRA. Today, none do. And that's a sea change in American politics. The last one lost his job in 2020. And that is such a significant step forward. And that is because of the work of our volunteers who have said to lawmakers, look, if you do the right thing, we'll have your job, we'll have your back. But if you do the wrong thing, we will have your job. And and it takes several election cycles to show that, right? You have to elect gun sense champions, you have to kick out gun lobby allies. And the the way we do this work, I would tell you, is really in in three buckets. The first is legislative. So We have a 90 percent track record of stopping the NRA's agenda every year for the last six years in state houses. That's things like they're trying to pass putting guns on college campuses, arming teachers, stand your ground, permitless carry. These are laws that would sail through state houses if it wasn't for, you know, Moms Demand Action and Students Demand Action volunteers showing up in their red shirts at every single gun bill hearing and saying, not in my community, you won't. And then on top of that, we're passing good gun laws. 21 states have now passed background checks on all gun sales. 19 states have passed extreme risk protection laws. 29 states have passed laws that keep guns away from domestic abusers. 20 states have closed something called the Charleston loophole that allows gun dealers to sell a gun without a background check after three days. 23 states now have some kind of secure storage law that holds gun owners accountable for securely storing their firearms. Thirteen states have passed meaningful police accountability and reform bills, and so this is all incredibly good news and, and a step forward. If you look at what we do electorally, which is really the second bucket, which is again electing gun sense candidates, we flipped the House uh, in twenty eighteen, we flipped Virginia in twenty nineteen, we flipped the White House in twenty twenty, we flipped the Senate in twenty twenty one, all by making sure candidates run on this issue and not away from it and really turning the nra's a rating from a badge of honor to a a scarlet letter and then finally the the third bucket and the third way we work on this is culturally and so we have worked with influencers everything from you know musicians and athletes and actors getting them to talk about this issue and to support gun safety getting ceos of over 150 companies to to support our calls for stronger gun laws Getting hundreds of companies to change the gun policies they have in their retail outlets or restaurants. And so, look, is this an uphill battle? Sure, but it takes years of hard work. I mean, if you again look at drinking and driving, it took over a decade to get the laws passed that we needed. Um, if you look at suffrage, it took about 100 years to get oh God, the right for all it women. That long, Jen. I know, <laughs> oh, I know, oh, wow. but. I- <laughs> we, we have to accept that activism takes time. You know, I think that we, people sometimes see incrementalism as a dirty word. It's the way the system is set up. Incremental change leads to revolutions. And it requires us to all get off the sidelines and to roll up our sleeves and to get involved.
0: I think that's a great point. We have to realize that moving the needle even a bit, it's still forward. we're still going forward, but that's a lot we have accomplished. So I'm really glad to hear that. Tell me, I'm just going to go off topic for five seconds because I'm just curious about your opinion on this. That Michigan shooting was interesting to me because they went after the parents. So all along, I've been thinking these thoughts, of course, as a mother, right? We think about, Oh my gosh, I have a 15 year old white male son. That is to me, that is the kind of, that's a, a profile of a shooter, right? I have a 15 year old white male son. That is who is shoot that that's who's doing the shooting. So I think about him and his emotional health a lot. I am always looking for him to express his feelings. How are you feeling? You know, making sure that he's, you know, mentally, you know, prepared and empathetic and all the things. And when I saw they went after these parents and how that all went down they got that gun for black friday it was a gift for the son that he they did call the school did call and say hey you know this kid is off we want to talk to you and the text back like oh don't got, just don't tell them that you want to you know that you're being having violent thoughts like all these crazy things i'm just curious what do you think is the reason that really went down. Does Michigan have any like gun laws like you were speaking of before? Like, are they kind of a loophole place?
2: Michigan does not have a secure storage law. So it does not require gun owners to securely store their firearms, nor does it hold them accountable when they don't and a child is injured or killed. There are several lawmakers, it won't shock you to know they're women who are trying to fix that this legislative session by passing a secure storage uh, requirement. But if you look at school shooters, I mean, what you're talking about is right. Most school shooters are students. We're talking nearly 80% of them mostly get their guns from home, over 90% of them. They can only get their guns from home if they're unsecured. And, And sure, we should be having more conversations about mental health. We should be having more conversations about how our children are being radicalized online, especially white males. But at the end of the day, Every nation deals with TikTok challenges and radicalization and disgruntled teens. Only America gives those kids easy access to guns. And as I said, 5.4 million children live in homes with unsecured firearms. That's up from 4.6 before the pandemic. So wow. it's sort of the logical outcome that we're seeing increased incidence of unintentional shootings by children and gun violence at schools in fact We have tracked this every year since 2013. We've seen more incidents of gun violence on school grounds this school year than ever before. And that's not shocking given what happened during the pandemic and the fact that more guns have been sold and more kids are at home with unsecured firearms. And so that's why we work with school boards and city councils all across the country to pass secure storage notification ordinances that require materials to be sent home with families on how critical it is for guns to be locked, unloaded, stored separately from ammunition. Over 2 million families have received those materials through our organization now. In fact, we just passed another secure storage resolution in Florida just last night, one of the largest school districts in the country. So this is really important work that you can do as a Moms Demand Action volunteer.
0: But let me ask you, so these parents though, is this the wave of the future? Are we going to go after parents? I mean, in this case, who cares about the secure storage? This kid, they gave the gun to the kid. They, it was a gift for him. They uh, claim, why would they yes. put it
2: away from him, right? Like they wouldn't secure his gun. It's his gun. Well, they claim that they kept it in a drawer, which again is not how you securely store a firearm. It is incredibly important that parents, gun owners are held accountable when a child gets an unsecured gun and injures themselves or someone else or, or kills themselves or someone else. It is negligence. It is not, you know, I get so frustrated by seeing these reported as accidental shootings. An accident implies you've done everything possible and something still happened. This is negligence. When you have a loaded gun in your home and you don't you know, as I said, make sure that it's locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. It's so easy to get a biometric safe to keep your gun in. And when you don't do that, when you choose to be negligent, then you should be held accountable. And I'm really proud of the prosecutors in Michigan and the district attorneys who have decided um, that they're going to hold these parents accountable. And I think we'll see it more and more across the country because of the example that, that Michigan is setting. Well, I, I hope so. Because honestly,
0: if that would prevent some of this, you know, and these parents could wake up a little bit and realize it's still a child. Yep. That's a child. It's a, a child. child. Should not Have a gun. What are the most important laws? I mean, you mentioned red flag, and I don't even know if people know what the red flag is. So we might have to talk about that. But what are the most important laws we need right now? And how do we get them passed in our state? Like if we're just living in a state and they haven't passed uh, the law, what can we do?
2: The foundation of any gun safety system is a background check on every gun sale. And right now, federal law only requires background checks on licensed gun sales. Right. So if you go into, for example, a Walmart, which is a licensed gun dealer and you buy a gun, you will have a background check. However, if you live in a state that allows unlicensed gun sales, which is not covered by federal law, to sell guns without a background check, that means that someone can get a gun at a a gun show or online and arrange an in-person transaction, even garage sales, and buy a gun with absolutely no background check whatsoever. 21 states have closed that loophole, meaning that they require a background check on every single gun sale, but the rest have not. So it's an easy way for criminals or domestic abusers or any prohibited purchaser to get a gun in this country. And so that, that is something that we are, are working to pass. Uh, I will tell you, the NRA is working to do the opposite. They have now passed something called permitless carry in 21 states. So the same amount of states that have a background check also have something called permitless carry. And that means that you do not have to have a background check or any safety training whatsoever to carry a hidden loaded handgun in public. Incredibly dangerous data shows that it results in more deaths, more gun deaths, suicide and homicide. And I promise you, if you live in a state that doesn't require a background check, the NRA is working to pass permitless carry where you live. We also want to pass the Violence Against Women Act. To reauthorize that it hasn't been reauthorized it would disarm domestic abusers right now domestic abusers is only defined federally as a spouse or someone you've had children with or live with that does not right now include dating partners or stalkers and so we are working to close that loophole at a federal level but we've closed it now as i mentioned in about 30 states across the country passing extreme risk protection laws also called red flag laws these laws basically empower family members or law enforcement to get a judge to issue a temporary restraining order that disarms someone who is in crisis. They are a risk to themselves or others. Disarming them temporarily allows law enforcement to determine whether the warning signs they're seeing are legitimate.
0: In this scenario, you could report your child. If you think your child is acting off or, you know, right, or like your husband or your boyfriend or whoever, you can report. Okay, I got you.
2: Yes, and there's due process, right? So you have to get a judge, you have to explain the situation, they have to deem it acceptable to issue a temporary restraining order. And the reason we did it actually, in the first state we worked on in California was after the UCSB shooting, When this young man was armed uh, and dangerous, his parents knew it. They had reported it to police. They said, police said, there's nothing we can do. The law doesn't allow us to disarm him. And as we all know, he then went and committed a misogynistic shooting at the University of California in Santa Barbara. And so it's just really important tool for law enforcement. Data shows they work and they're incredibly useful. So look, these are all laws that have bipartisan support. 90% of Americans support, for example, background check on every gun sale. And it is just a matter of making sure our lawmakers understand that these are effective and that constituents want them. And that's what we do through Moms Demand Action.
0: Yeah, that's a a good point too, because you know what? My husband has guns, they're in a big safe. He's a hunter, he's got rifles. And he was very, oh my gosh, he when I tell you he's so careful with this and he tells the kids all the time, like, don't, you know this it's my ammunition is here. this is over here. You're not to touch it. This is mine, you know, And if they're curious, you know, he will talk to them about it. But he is, of course, in all in favor of background checks, red flag laws. He doesn't want some walking a crazy person you know, getting a gun. He doesn't want kids really? having guns. So I feel like you're right. Like some these laws are not taking your guns away. You know, it's not taking your gun away. It's making sure that your guns are safe. So there's a difference. We, We are
2: not against the Second Amendment. Many of our volunteers are gun owners or their partners are gun owners. This is just about restoring the responsibilities that should go along with gun rights, the responsibilities the NRA has slowly stripped away over decades. You know, gun sense just means we can all do more to protect our families and communities from gun violence. And look, there's a reason America has a 25 times higher gun homicide rate than any pure nation if more guns and fewer gun laws made us safer, we'd be the safest country in the world. And instead we know that gun violence is a crisis and that is in large part because we've essentially allowed gun lobbyists to write our gun laws.
0: 100%. Well, let's talk about the NRA because let me tell you something. I'm like Scientology in some ways, cause I'm gonna, I'm gonna like say it's a little cult-like to me. I'm fascinated by the cult phenomenon. So I'm a little bit fascinated by the NRA and the power that they have. Like I, how did they become so influential. And it seems like they've become radicalized. Like, I don't feel like back in the day, I mean, I'm a child of the eighties as well. I remember hearing about the NRA. Charlton Heston was like, NRA, blah, blah. I knew some presidents were into the NRA. I never thought it was like really a bad thing. I just thought, oh, these guys really like their guns. And it's like sort of their thing. But now it's become, I I mean, the most politicized and radicalized thing in the world. So how did they become so influential and why did they become radicalized?
2: You know the NRA started out as sort of a, a gun safety training organization. They did not start out as a lobbying group, but they in the seventies they really started to become a destructive force. They realized that they could use fear mongering to prop up their political power, to raise money, and if you go back, for example, in nineteen ninety five, the NRA sent out a fundraising letter that that compared. Federal agents to Nazis. In fact, that's when uh, oh former God. President uh, George Bush Sr. resigned from the NRA. And just six days later, Timothy McVeigh, who was a former NRA member, bombed a federal building in Oklahoma City. And he, he chose that target in part because it housed an ATF office. And so, look, the NRA has since then, they have lobbied against background checks, they have worked to put guns in the arms hands of teachers, to put them on college campuses, to pass down stand your ground laws, and they've really become a very dangerous and destructive political force. Thankfully, because of our work, the NRA is weaker than they've ever been. We have been so successful, in fact, that when the NRA countersued the New York and Washington, D.C. attorney generals, they named our organization specifically. And it's really important to to remember that any lawmaker who supports the NRA is really working from an old playbook, right? The, The NRA has recently filed for bankruptcy. They failed Um, They had to hang out their their dirty laundry for the world to see. We have learned that the NRA is rotten to its core. (laughs) You know, Wayne LaPierre, their CEO, has billed its members essentially for private jet travel. They've admitted to shredding documents. It's just really an important reminder that they're corrupt as an organization. They should not have a nonprofit status. but. We are seeing real change. As I mentioned, the number of, of lawmakers who have an A rating from the NRA is dwindling. The NRA lost the House in 2018. They lost the White House in 2020, the Senate in 2021. And we are bigger than the NRA. We're stronger than the NRA. And we just need every single lawmaker to, to see their affiliation with the, the gun lobby as a liability. And that takes time.
0: Yeah, it does. Well, to the political force point, you launched a new program called Demand a Seat, which I think is really taking your work just even to the next level, which I love. So tell me about Demand a Seat.
2: This was sort of an organic thing where we just were seeing Moms Demand Action volunteers wanting to move from not just shaping policy, but to actually making it. And we saw hundreds of our volunteers running for office at all levels. And so we thought, you know, let's formalize this and create a campaign where we're actively working to create people who are taking the seats of gun lobby allies. And so Demand a Seat is the name of the program. It's an evolution of our work, the next phase of our movement. We have uh, a a commitment to get at least 200 volunteers to to run for office in the next election cycle. You know, having this built-in grassroots army of volunteers in all 50 states to knock doors and make create phone banks and raise money is hugely helpful. To anyone who wants to run for office. We also have access to, you know, top campaign technology. We are creating mentorships so that we can bring in seasoned campaign pros and politicians who will tell our volunteers, students and and Moms Demand Action volunteers about how to, to do this successfully. And so I'm really excited about this program. You know, we already have two members of Congress who are former Moms Demand Action volunteers, Congresswoman Lucy McBath and Marie Newman. But we have About 500,000 elected positions in this country, only about 20% are held by women. So when lawmakers close the door on this issue, it's up to us to go through the window. And one way we do that is by running for office.
0: I love it. One of my favorite uh, people I've ever had on this podcast is Simona Grace, who runs Moms in Office. I don't know if you know her or not, but she is getting moms elected. And I love—I just love this. I love women getting elected. I love it. Yes. Tell me about your book, Fight Like a Mother. I love that damn title. I, I just want to have your book just so I can look at it. Like just the title. Tell me how that came about. With so-, so many people ask- asking you kind of like, how did you do this, Shannon? Like, and they wanted to know, is that how that came about? It's exactly
2: how it came about, and I thought, you know, before I go through menopause and forget everything I ever <laughs> knew, I better put this on paper. It really is supposed if to be. If you have five kids and you haven't lost your mind
0: yet, Shannon, you are winning the game. Let's just. Say That's a very
2: good point. Menopause may push me over that edge, but you know, <laughs> I I wanted it to be an instruction manual. I get asked so often, like, how did you do this? How can I do this on on this issue or another issue, either in my neighborhood or my community or my state or across the country, maybe even the world? And so I just wanted to tell the story of how we did it and how we're winning. I want to be clear that all the proceeds from my book go to Gun Violence Prevention Organization. I've been able to give tens of thousands of dollars away to organizations that are working on this issue, especially at a very hyper-local level. But it really is the story of Moms Demand Action and how we came to be and how people can do this where they live too. Well,
0: I'm going to read this book. I didn't have time to read it before the interview, but I'm, I'm very excited about this book. Okay. And I'm going to put a link to the book. I'll put a link to Demand a Seed. I'll put all the links in the show notes so everyone doesn't have to worry. They're not going to have to go searching around. We'll put everything that we need. I want you to join Moms Demand, obviously. And, you know, you can get involved. Like, that's what's great about Moms Demand is involved as you want to be, they will have you. <laughs> so that's the great part. It's very active if you want to take action, which is amazing. All right. We're on to the speed round. It's party time, Shannon. Are you ready? Awesome.
2: I am okay. so ready.
0: Um, What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman?
2: I am a warrior woman because I refuse to be silenced or intimidated by extremists, even if they're armed. Oh, that
0: was, first of all, I just added this question because I feel like all warm women are warriors. We're not necessarily born that way, but we become them. And that was like I think that might be the greatest answer, even though it's the first time I've ever asked question, but it's still the first greatest answer I think I'm ever going to get. What is a mantra or quote you live by?
2: You know, Alice Walker said, activism is the rent I pay to live on the planet and we can all be activists. It's like drips on a rock. So even if you only have nap time, which we refer to as naptivism. So if you have an hour a day or a week, or even a month, Every single email, phone call you make, text you send, tweet you write, it all adds up. It all matters. Naptivism. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. What makes you feel unstoppable? Oh, absolutely. The support and the camaraderie of fellow Moms Demand Action volunteers. You know, I serve as the tip of the spear But I want to be clear that it's the average everyday Moms Demand Action and Students Demand Action volunteer who makes this thing go. And without their selflessness and their passion and their commitment, we wouldn't be winning the way we are right now. And they just they make me feel like I can do anything.
0: You've got an amazing support team in every single way. What are you most proud of?
2: You know, I was just looking at pictures. Three years ago, I was standing with Lucy McBath as she was sworn into Congress. Lucy and I met shortly after I started Moms to Man Action. Her son, Jordan Davis, was shot and killed just weeks before Sandy Hook, a Black 17-year-old who was shot and killed in a Florida gas station by a white man who said his music was too loud. And Lucy was living in Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta area. She immediately became an activist. And when I first talked to her, I said, will you please be a spokeswoman? I mean, we were only a few months old. I didn't even know what that meant. And she agreed and she became a, a fierce Moms man Action volunteer. And then we hired her and she became an amazing colleague who spread the word on gun sense all across the country. And then after the Parkland tragedy, she decided to run for Congress. And with our help, she won a seat held by Republicans for 30 years. It was Newt Gingrich's sold seat. And the first thing she did was put forward and pass gun sense legislation through the House. And I will never stop being amazed that we helped make that happen.
0: That's amazing. And way to take something that is just a tragedy into a triumph. I mean, yep. oh, just amazing. What's exciting you the most right now?
2: Well, it is that time of year when state legislative sessions start. And uh, some are in person, some are online, but we have a lot of opportunity to pass stronger gun laws. We're going to be working to pass, for example, secure storage legislation in places like Michigan and in Alaska. And we've got a great, robust agenda, but we also are going to be stopping the NRA's agenda in states too. So I would just encourage everyone listening to get involved and really make a difference where you live. Now is the time when legislative sessions are starting.
0: Okay. You heard that. Now is the time to get off the sidelines. You can't just expect Shannon to get off the sidelines and whip this whole thing together. We need you. So you got to do it. Okay. Get off the sidelines. Thank you so much, Shannon, for coming on today, educating us, inspiring us, telling your story. I just can't believe what you've done and what you continue to do, not just for you know gun safety and keeping us safe, but also just for women, empowering them in this way you know, encouraging naptivism. I am just, I'm blown away by you. So thank you so much for coming on.
2: Well, thank you for having me. And and people who, who want to get off the sidelines, text the word READY to 64433. Again, READY 64433. A volunteer will reach out to you quite instantaneously and tell you how to plug in where you live. That is the greatest. Wait it. Get it done during the nap time,
0: <laughs> maybe but in a lunch break between work, you could just text 64433. Six, six, three. Yep. Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay, thank you for joining me today. And thank you. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.